Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 16. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 16. Actually, we're going to, Philippians chapter 3, sorry about that. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. That's where we're going to start. Notice it says in verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. It's always good to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Uh, Always take the opportunity to rejoice when you can. And he continues to write here, To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful today that we can come and be reminded of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, just, uh, we just pray that you would be with those in this auditorium today. Uh, some here are hurting this morning. Lord, some here need comfort. Others here have come looking for truth and looking for maybe an explanation. Some here have just come to rejoice and be thankful. But whatever the needs are met here this morning, Lord, we pray that uh, you would fulfill them today in some way. Father, we pray that you'd bless the message and help me to bring out the thoughts that I have. Father, we're just so thankful for all your goodness to us. And we have so much more than we deserve. Father, just be with our pastor today as he's away. Pray that you just give him a time of rest. Bring him back to us. Strengthen and, uh, Lord, just uh, ready to f- fulfill his ministry here. Lord, we, we pray for those that are sick, those who can't be with us this morning. Maybe they're watching live stream or maybe they're uh, praying over the service this morning. We pray that you'd bless them. Touch them. Bring them back to health and strength. So bless our time this morning. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, the confidence to live the Christian life must come from a close relationship with Jesus Christ. The definition of confidence is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It's a firm trust, confidence, having that firm belief that something's going to hold you up when you need it. Overconfidence or a false confidence is the tendency for an individual to overestimate their own abilities or the accuracy of their judgment. Overconfidence or a false confidence. One day, while I was up in Sault Ste. Marie ministering there, I went out and did some cold turkey calling. That's when you go and you knock on a door, you don't know that person, you have no contact with them, there's no relationship, and you just invite them to church, and maybe you'll have an opportunity to give the gospel. So I was out on a, it was kind of an affluent street, uh, on, in Sault Ste. Marie, it was along the St. Mary's River. Homes were very nice. 
And I was there knocking on doors, talk, trying to talk to people. And I came to a laneway. And this house was uh, down a lane. It was obviously by the river. Oh, a very nice home. And as I just turned to go into that laneway to go down to that house, a man was there. And he says, wait a minute, where are you going? I says, well, I told him who I was, what I was doing. And he said, don't go down there. My wife will be so upset if you go there. I said, OK. All right. And we started to talk. And I started to talk to him. And I kind of got to the conversation around, you know, eternal life, standing before God. And he said to me, he kind of began to tell me about his experience in the church, how he had gone to church as a young man, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but something happened to him that embarrassed him, and therefore he didn't go back anymore. But he began to tell me, he said, you know, but, uh, but even though I don't go to church, I want you to know I'm still a good person. And he began to tell me all the good things that he did. And I kind of looked at him, and I listened to him for a while, and I waited till he was done. And then I said to him, as far as I know, I don't think anybody has ever made it to heaven for being good. And he just looked at me. <laughs> Let me ask you this question today. One day, we're going to stand before God. Are you confident? How confident are you? That, you, that you're going to make it into heaven? How confident? How confident are you are if you're a Christian that he's going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant? The Apostle Paul was talking about some people in the church who were overconfident. They had a false confidence. You know, we all face an enemy. We all have the same enemies. We all face our flesh. We all face the world. And we all face Satan. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Satan is a deceiver. And he knows how to deceive people. He knows how to deceive people into overconfidence, thinking that they're going to be okay, thinking things are going to be fine, when really they're not. And that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning, because the Apostle Paul admits, he, gives, he says he's going to use his own testimony, and he's going to say, basically, I have been deceived. And you know what I think in my life? If Paul could have been deceived, how about me? <laughs> Am I any better? And so today, I just want to talk about how to prepare, how to prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. Three simple things, the judgment seat of Christ. Number one, don't base your confidence on a works righteousness. Don't base your confidence on a works righteousness. 
Notice it says here in verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. First of all, we see an exhortation. Paul exhorts us. He tells us, listen, there are dangers out there. And he wasn't talking about a danger that was in the Roman culture. He wasn't saying, listen, be careful of that old wicked world out there. Be careful of those false, te- those, uh, false religions out there. But the culture that got him and he was concerned about was the culture coming from the church. The church. Because some teachers had gotten in, had infiltrated, and they came and they were teaching these dear beloved people that Paul had preached and had seen them come to know Christ as their Savior. They were teaching that, listen, in order to be saved, you need faith plus works. They were being deceived into thinking salvation was something more than just their faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, Paul, he didn't mix any words. He was not concerned about their feelings. Notice in verse 2, he says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. That word concision means mutilation. He was not pulling any punches. He was telling you, we need to be careful. Because there is some false teaching that we need to be careful of from our own church. And these were false teachers. And so that was his exhortation. There is no confidence in the flesh. Then he says in verse 4, we see an example. Verse 4 says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul said, I had a confidence one time. There was a time in my life when all my confidence was in my flesh. He goes on to say, and he gives his own life testimony. And he gives some things about himself, why he had this false confidence. He talks about that here in verse 5. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribes of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, listen, I came from the right lineage. I was born an Israelite. I was the tribe. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, we're the tribe that stuck with the tribe of Judah, and we're the ones who followed King David. Not only that, but he goes on to say, as touching the law, a Pharisee. I mean, when it came to following the law of Moses, I have dedicated my whole life to follow the law of God and all the traditions that go along with it. And then he says in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He said, listen, I went over and above and I began to persecute that factious group called Christians, the church. 
And Paul says, doing all of these things, I thought I was blameless. I thought I, I mean, if, if anybody was going to stand before God and be ready and be confident, it was me. I was ready. He had all, he had all that confidence in himself. You see, Paul, he took, uh, he took an inspection. He became an architect, you might say. He took an inspection of his life. And he looked at all those things and he says, I am blameless. I, I was ready. The problem is, Paul wasn't ready. He had been deceived. I remember I was, uh, had a man in our church and he was an architect. Not an architect, but a, he was a carpenter. And he built log homes and he also did renovations and things like that. And one day, <clears throat> he, was, uh, he told me the story that he was up on a ladder and replacing the siding on this house. And so he had a guy working with him, his, his friend, and so he was up on the ladder measuring for the next piece to go on. He had a measuring tape, and he's measuring this thing, and he would, to save him the coming down off the ladder and cutting the board and coming back up, the, he would yell down the measurement to this man. And the man would be by the saw, he would have the uh, length of siding, and he would cut the siding and hand it up to the, my friend. And he said this was going pretty good for a while. And after a while, he began to notice that as he was putting that cut board up, it was just getting a little short. Now, at first, it was just a fraction of an inch. And he, and he, you know, he could make it work. But more and more as he went, it got shorter and shorter. And finally, he had to yell down and say, what are you doing? You're not cutting this right. This is all wrong. These are, you know, I can't use this. And the guy says, well, you're giving me the measurements and I'm measuring the board and I'm cutting it like you tell me. And it, he says, well, just be careful. You know, sometimes you got to compensate for the width of the saw blade and different things. You just be careful, you know, and, and let's be, be aware of what's going on. So they did a few more, but it was still short. So finally he got down and they're looking at things, they're looking at the saw, they're looking at, the, and they, they decide to take a look at the measuring tapes. And they compare their measuring tapes and they begin to realize that his tape was beginning to stretch a little bit. And when he was saying a measurement, it was actually not the true measurement. And the guy was cutting it, and it was always coming up short. And so they had to, he had to go and get another tape measure. And once he got a new tape measure, everything seemed to work out. You know, there's a lot of people today, they're using the wrong tape measure. They're saying, well, you know what? I'm a good person because I'm comparing myself to that person over there. And I'm a whole lot better than he is. 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing way more. And I'm, doing, I'm a far moral person than that person. The problem with that, it makes us feel good. It makes us, but the problem is it gives us a false confidence. Because we can't measure ourselves to other people because we're all lost. And no one's good. And we're all come short of the glory of God. And so Paul, Paul says, I'm taking a measurement and I'm looking at my life and uh, he begins to understand it's structurally unsound because it's all built on his flesh, on the works of his flesh. And we can't do that because if we do that, we're gonna have an overconfidence. We're not gonna be prepared for the stand before God. We're lost. Point number two, build your confidence in faith righteousness. Build your confidence in faith righteousness. Notice it says in verse seven, but what things were gained to me, those things I counted loss for Christ. Now, Paul, he's going to put on his accounting hat. He's going to take off the architecture hat. Now he's going to put on an accounting hat, and he's going to take an account of his life based on the truth. And he's going to find that he's bankrupt. All of those things he was counting on, all of the confidence that he had, they are gone. Why? Because... He says here, those things that were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. They were no good. They were actually a detriment to me because he realized something. Notice in verse eight, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. You see, Paul took a look at it and he lost. He lost so much when he began to compare himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he found himself that he was bankrupt. When did he find out that time? When was the time in his life that, he, that dawned on him? Probably most likely, I can, from my, from my study of the word of God, was probably when he was on the road to Damascus going there to persecute the church. And in, the, in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, as he was traveling on that road, the Bible says he saw that light and it knocked him to the ground and he heard the words of Jesus, Saul, Saul, why per persecutest thou me? You cannot kick against the pricks, the goads. I think at that moment, Paul realized all that that he thought was right, all that he thought was good, all of a sudden turned to loss when he saw Jesus Christ, the Lord. You know, Paul, up, up to that point, he was firmly convinced what he was doing was right, living right, doing right, even persecuting the saints. 
He believed he was doing what was right and he was preparing himself to stand before God. But at that moment, something happened. He saw Jesus Christ. He saw that the one he was persecuting was alive and well and in heaven. And God, what what was Jesus saying to him? Saul, you cannot fight me. You cannot fight me and win. (laughs) And Paul realized, I have seen the Lord. And all those things that he counted as gain were now lost. What did Paul begin to realize? He realized that, you know, It's not about your works. It's about your faith. About your faith. You want to build confidence? Build it in a faith righteousness. You see, Paul realized that salvation is not about works, but salvation is knowing Christ. Isn't that what he says there in verse 8? He says this, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord. Paul says, I wanted to know Christ. Not know about Christ, but I wanted to know him personally in a way that I would know that he is real in my life. And how do you do that? By getting saved. By trusting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You are trusting him. You are getting to know him. You're not trying to fulfill a bunch of works You're not trying to follow a bunch of regulations, but you are getting to know Christ because you actually have a relationship with him. Not only that, but Paul wanted the righteousness of Christ. Notice what he says here. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness. Paul says, I want the righteousness of Christ. I have my righteousness. I have my good works, but they haven't done me any good. They haven't done anything for me. I want to know the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? By knowing him as Savior. Because when we're saved, the Bible teaches us that we are given the robes of righteousness, his righteousness that he has are now when we say we're saved and we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, he takes our old sins, he takes our old works, and he replaces them with the, his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And folks, that is true righteousness. That's far greater than anything I can do. The righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to me, that is imputed to me when I was saved as a believer. And three, Paul wanted to serve Christ. He wanted to serve Christ regardless where he was and regardless of the circumstances. Notice it says in verse 9, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which of the God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable 
to his death. Paul was called to be a preacher of the gospel. And he was called at that moment when he was saved on the Damascus Road. The Bible says God even told him then, you will take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he fulfilled that and he labored in that mission and he gave himself to that work, but it was a hard work. It wasn't easy. He suffered for the, for the preaching the gospel. He suffered for giving out the gospel to the Gentiles. He knew what it was to go through that suffering. But Paul says, listen, I want to suffer. I want to, I know I'm facing obstacles, obstacles. I know that I'm going to have a difficult time and I don't want to quit. I want to keep going and not stop. And that only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That has to come from inside. That's not going to come from good works. That's not going to come from, uh, you know, doing things out of duty. That comes from a love for Christ. You got to love Christ to keep on going and not to quit. How about you, Christian? Do you love Christ? Do you love Christ? He says, well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, aren't I? I'm doing my good works. I'm putting my offering in the offering box. I'm singing the songs. I'm doing, yeah. Do you love Christ? Are you here today because you're expected to be here? And then don't get me wrong, I'm glad you're here. I'm all for that. Being faithful to church, I'm glad you're here. But are you here because you love Christ? You know, it, it can't be just works. It's got to be a relationship. You know, did, did, did you get up this morning and read your Bible today just because you love Christ? Not because you had to prepare a lesson or you had to, uh, you know, do it out of religious exercise, but because you really love Christ and you just wanted to spend some time with them. That's different. Did you give your offering today because you love Christ? We got to do it because we love them. Paul says, I love them. And I want to keep going, and that's going to come through a relationship, not works. And then in point number three, don't lose sight of the heavenly finish line. Don't lose sight of the heavenly finish line. Notice it says here in verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, Neither were already perfect, but I follow after if that which I apprehend, let me start again, not as though as I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul at this time took off his hat of being an accountant and he put on the hat of being an athlete. He says, I'm an athlete. I'm not going to sit back and rest on my past victories. I'm not going to rest on my past, but I'm going to press towards the mark because just like those runners in the Greek games many, many years ago, they entered the race to be first. And they wanted to win And so Paul says, I have got a heavenly finish line. One day, I want to be prepared. I want to be ready because Jesus Christ is coming again. I believe Paul believed Jesus could come at his time. I believe he was looking for the coming of Jesus Christ just like we're looking today. And Paul says, when he comes, I want to be prepared. And he says, I'm striving, I'm longing to be in that place. You know, that, that attitude of, of wanting to strive and to appertain, it gave him three steps to reach his goal. It gave him devotion. Paul says, I have devoted myself to Christ. One thing I do. (laughs) He says, listen, I have given my life to do one thing. He was totally devoted to serving Christ. Not only that, but it gave him direction. It gave him direction. He devoted himself, and now he has direction. What did he say there? Notice it says, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul said, listen, I'm running this race and I'm not looking back. My eyes is on the heaven finish line and I don't, it doesn't bother me. I'm not concerned with what's happened in the past. He's looking for the future. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? I think Joseph kind of gives us a good illustration of looking forward. You know, Joseph sold into slavery, denied, and basically, you know, cast aside by his family, his brothers. And that man suffered. He suffered. And he found himself in prison. But God was with him. God's grace. And the day came when God lifted him up out of that prison and put him in that place of leadership. But then one day something happened. His brothers came to see him. And I think Joseph did something that a lot of us need to learn. 
Joseph looked at those brothers and he forgave them. He forgave them. He didn't hold the past against them. He didn't get upset with them. Now he wanted to make sure their hearts were right. But when he was confident their hearts were right, he revealed himself to them. And those brothers, they were just amazed. To the point when their father died, they came to him and said, Joseph, are you going to retaliate? Are you going to get back at us? And Joseph said, no, I'm not. I know you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. See, what did Joseph do there? You see, Joseph didn't look back at those past grievances, those past problems. He just looked forward. He said, no, boys, let's just go forward. Let's just go forward. You know, sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes we're just pulling up the past, aren't we? We're just looking back at the past. And you know, I understand because that's the flesh. It's just, it's just normal to do that sometimes. But what we have to do is constantly remind ourselves, listen, we're not thinking about the past anymore. We're looking for the future. We're looking to that heavenly finish line. Listen, he had direction Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Let's don't look back. Let's look forward. And then the third step, he was determined. He was determined. He says, I press towards the mark. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I am determined to finish and to finish well. And he gave himself. He didn't lose sight of the finish line. In conclusion today, developing a wholehearted trust and reliance on Jesus is what brings about a strong confidence. Remember that guy I told you about? I was out there talking to him about the Lord and he was telling me how good he was and I says, well, <clears throat> nobody's gonna get to heaven for being good. And he looked at me and he said, well, nobody's going to get there for being bad. And I thought, and I tried to explain to him, you know, we have to understand we are bad. We had to understand we're sinners. <laughs> and we can't make it on our good works. But he cut me off. And uh, that was it. I never got to explain that part of it. Sometimes I think about him. Sometimes I wonder, did that man ever find out the truth? I don't know. I hope he did. Hope he does. But maybe you're here this morning. Where's your confidence? I hope your confidence to one day stand before God is not in your good works, but in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope you have a relationship. And that comes by knowing Christ as Savior. Not by good works. Not all these things that we can amount up, but rather a relationship with our Lord and Savior.
knowing that salvation is by faith and faith alone. How about you, Christian? Are you serving Christ because you love him? Are you serving Christ because you just want to be ready? You just want to be prepared. And that comes through his righteousness. That comes from serving him out of a love that you have for him because he's your savior. And that comes because you just have a desire that one day you'll stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ and you'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That comes from a relationship. A relationship out of love for our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray today. So many people, maybe one here this morning who's basing their future on their works, their good works, a baptism, a church membership, doing good in the community. Those things are fine, but Lord, they're not the basis for our salvation. Lord, may we have that confidence that comes from knowing Christ, a faith righteousness. Maybe there's someone here today, or a Christian, but they're not serving out of love. They're, they're doing all the right things, but uh, it's not from the heart. Lord, I pray they'd renew that and kindle that relationship once again and serve God out of love and know these things and endeavor to live their life for Christ. Lord, thank you so much for all your blessings. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. It's common for our church at this time to have a time of invitation. As the piano plays, if God's speaking to your heart, you are welcome to come to the altar. If you're here and you're not saved, we'll have someone take a Bible and show you for, that you can know for sure. Not based on works, but based on the word of God that you can go to heaven. Maybe you're here this morning as a Christian and things are just growing cold in your Christian walk. I pray you'd rekindle that today. Rekindle that relationship, that fellowship with the Lord. And just forget the past and put your eyes on the future. As the piano plays, you come.